A Swiss court has just sentenced a writer to two months in jail for calling an LGBT activist a fat lesbian. The writer was found guilty of defamation on Monday, and the verdict was immediately praised by the lesbian activist group LOS as, quote, an important moment for justice and rights of LGBTQI people in Switzerland, which means... Well, he was found guilty of defamation for calling her a lesbian. And the verdict was praised as a victory for lesbian rights. So I, I don't think that men should ever call women fat. And I don't think men even should ever call women lesbians. But if the victory is a, if the verdict rather is a victory for lesbian rights, then that implies that the victim was a lesbian, which means that he did not defame her. He was just sort of impolite, which is not good. But does an impolite remark really merit 60 days in jail? Well, if the impolite remark happens also to be politically incorrect, then apparently the answer is yes. Because as that same lesbian activist group pointed out, quote, the conviction of this writer is a strong signal that homophobic hatred cannot be tolerated in our society. It wasn't even what he said. If the writer had purple hair and 10 piercings and said, this woman is an empowered fat lesbian, if he had used the exact same phrase in a positive way, he would probably be given an award. He certainly wouldn't be in jail. But he used the phrase with opprobrium. He seemed to disapprove of lesbianism. That's the crime he's going to jail for. And soon enough, you might be too. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price and 25 bucks off your order with code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. I had juicy, delicious Good Ranchers just a couple of days ago, two, three days ago. It was marvelous as always. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles today. The LA Unified School District is about to host a week-long celebration of coming out day. No longer a day, now a week. We'll get to that in just one moment. First though, I'm still wrapping my mind around this. If you say the phrase in Switzerland, she, that wonderful person, is a fat lesbian. Let's hear it, everybody. Woo! And then you all applaud. That's great. But if you say, hey, she, that lady that I don't like, she's a fat lesbian, you go to jail. We're the same thing. You, you go to jail for having a politically incorrect opinion. And what's really bizarre about it is the opinion you go to jail for is the opinion that was until very recently held by everyone, which is that doing weird sex stuff is not ideal. It's not the thing we ought to strive for. But this is spreading throughout the old world. Speaking of people living in the old world, getting arrested for things, for saying things, uh, Lawrence Fox, who ran for mayor of London, he's an actor who then got into politics. He ran for mayor of London. He founded the Reclaim Party. He's a conservative, totally mainstream conservative commentator and political activist. Uh, until recently, he had a show on GB News in the UK. 
Cops just raided Lawrence's house and arrested him for speaking out against the London mayor's new climate surveillance cameras all over the city. Coming off the lot now. What? No. Look how many coppers there are in my house. Look at them coming to steal everything, take everything out of my house. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the country that we live in. So all these cops here raiding Lawrence's Lawrence were the least dangerous person in the United Kingdom, all raiding his, his place because he said that the mass surveillance cameras as part of Mayor Sadiq Khan's climate change initiative to spy on all the citizens, he, he spoke out against those cameras. And so they raid his, his apartment. He, he explains what the, the whole issue is about. You guys, um, in London's knife-ridden capital city, where a 15-year-old girl was stabbed to death with a sword. We've got one, two, you can show them. One, two, another three upstairs, stealing, going through my house to intimidate me because um, this is what the police are. They don't police with consent anymore. They police with fear and intimidation. That is the Stasi police force that we've got nowadays. Instead of being on the streets, solving crimes like the murder of the poor 15-year-old girl. They're on all over social media. But I'd take it. The um, ULES scam cameras outside of London are a complete... The outer ULES zone is a complete scam. There's no scientific evidence. Sadiq Khan rubbished the evidence and had it rewritten to serve his own needs. No one voted it. It's the beginning and bringing in of a surveillance state. And he's trying to make noises so that I can't say that. It's the beginning of a surveillance state and these boys are the Stasi. Stasi. Bless them. So have a lovely day. I'm going to spend my day in the clink, innit? <laughs> I love the British generally, but especially guys like Lawrence, who even as they're being raided by the cops about to be hauled off to prison for a thought crime, they can stay relatively buoyant. I'm going to spend my day in the clink, innit? <laughs> and and it, it it's funny because you got to either laugh or cry. The London mayor sending his goons to go arrest a political rival for speaking out against his climate change BS surveillance program. The same exact sort of thing we see when Joe Biden says his, his goons out to arrest his political opposition in Donald Trump on a bunch of trumped up, pun very much intended, ridiculous charges. It's not just happening in America. It's not just happening in Britain, this sort of thing. It's not just happening in Switzerland. It's ha- this sort of thing is happening all over the West, which is why I think sometimes in the U.S. we are a little myopic. We're viewing these things in too narrow a way. Even some conservatives sometimes do. They say, oh, our political dysfunction, it's just because Donald Trump is kind of eccentric. It's not just about Trump. Yes, Donald Trump is a unique American original, no doubt about it. But the election of Donald Trump didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened within the context of the Brexit. It happened within the context of the rise to power of Viktor Orban in Hungary. It happened uh, in the context of the rise to power of Georgia Maloney on a conservative populist wave in Italy. It happened with populist waves rising, not totally to fruition yet, in Spain, rising in Germany, rising elsewhere as well. People have had enough of the liberal crackdown, surveillance state, globalist nonsense. And you're seeing that expressed everywhere. And and so as the people begin to push back against that, then the government is going to crack down even harder. 
not just by trumping up your charges, not just by uh, calling you an insurrectionist, not just by uh, finding all sorts of little areas to nitpick and prosecute you selectively while they let their own friends off the hook. They're going to go after you for thought crimes. They're going to arrest you for having the wrong opinions. That is already happening. Speaking of crime, is a story about a left-wing activist who was living in Brooklyn in a bad part of the city. He was out with his girlfriend very late at night in a very bad part of the city that white guys wearing fancy suits should certainly not be walking around in at 4 a.m. You're going to be a little bit conspicuous. And uh, he was stabbed. He was stabbed to death. Uh, He bravely stood between the attacker and his girlfriend. Uh, He probably unwisely was in that place at night and seemed to walk toward this maniac who was causing a ruckus further down the block. So errors of judgment there, a demonstration of courage. But now we're back to seeing errors of judgment from the this poor slain man's friends. According to the Daily Mail, friends of this 32-year-old murder victim uh, say that his being murdered in bed at four in the morning would not change his outlook on social justice. They say, quote, I know he would have wanted people to use his death as a means to talk about structural wrongs in the city. I'm absolutely positive that he would immediately see that this was a person who was suffering from a lack of resources in our community who probably needs better mental health support, possibly housing, possibly drug support, drug treatment. What he would want to avenge his death is for us to fix how broken this system is, according to New York State Assembly member Emily Gallagher. This is a reminder of a line from Robert Frost, which is that a liberal is one who can't take his own side in a quarrel. That is the definition of a liberal. And this is not a good attitude. People think this is a good attitude because it seems so altruistic. It seems so selfless. But it's, it's a perversion of, of a virtue, which is charity. And it's a perversion of that virtue because it, it totally disregards the proper love of oneself. One has to have a proper love of oneself and a, a proper inclination towards self-preservation. The reason for that is we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we don't love ourselves, then we can't love our neighbor as we love ourselves, or we won't love our neighbor much at all. This is related to a modern liberal misconception that we can't have any enemies. We got to pretend that no one wants to do us harm, that no one is our enemy, that no one has different interests than we do, that no one could possibly act in an unjust way. No, we got to ignore, we're all just friends, kumbaya, hold hands. That is not true. And there's, there's nothing Christian about that. That is a perversion of Christianity. We have enemies. We need to know who our enemies are. We need to have a very clear-eyed view of our enemies because we are called to love our enemies. And so we have to love our enemies. We have to pray for those who persecute us. But if you don't know who your enemies are, then you don't know who to love. If you, if you are in denial about who is persecuting you, who is trying to harm you, who is acting in an unjust way against you, then you can't pray for them. You can't love them. Christianity is not a denial of reality. Christianity is not a burying your head in the sand about the, the facts of this life. In, in, quite the opposite. Christianity is looking, looking at this world in brutal honesty, looking at the fallenness of this world with brutal honesty, and then looking beyond this world and having hope as a theological virtue and a fact beyond this world. 
but, but it's not a denial. Liberalism is the denial of reality. Liberalism is the denial of human nature. Liberalism is the denial of original sin. Liberalism often amounts to the denial of redemption. And so everything gets screwy and everything goes out of place. But if we, if we want to help other people, we have to have a proper love of ourselves and, and at least an inclination to preserve ourselves. And if, if we want to love our enemies, we have to know who our enemies are. We have to have some clear sense of justice. When you want to do, do right by your body, when you want to do right by your dinner table, you got to check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com, use promo code Knowles. We all have a lot on our schedules with how much we've got to do every single day. You got to take your kids to sports. You got science fairs. You're prepping for the holidays. Well, the good news is you can take one big thing off your plate by putting great meat on your plate with Good Ranchers. You care about what your family eats, so does Good Ranchers. That is why they've spent years building relationships with local farms to source the best 100% American beef, chicken, pork, and now wild-caught seafood. The best of the land and sea can be delivered directly to your door. I just I just adore Good Ranchers. They're currently offering two years of free ground beef to anyone who subscribes, which is a $480 value and insane. They'll also lock in your uh, price for two years, which is in- insane, especially with high inflation right now. They guarantee you 100% American meat. It is by far the best in the business. It's not even close. When I was a kid, steak was a very special occasion kind of thing. Now you can have steak delivered to your door for your whole family for an incredibly low price. Use code Knowles at GoodRanchers.com for 25 bucks off and free ground beef for two years. Remember to subscribe to any box to lock in your price on America's best meat. GoodRanchers.com, promo code Knowles, Canada WLAS for over $500 in savings. Subscribe to Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Speaking of important lessons, there's a seventh grade teacher who has just gone viral on TikTok for explaining how his fourth grade, how his seventh grade students are reading at a fourth grade level. So I'm not really understanding why they're not telling y'all. Like, we all know that the world is behind, like, you know, globally, like, you know, because of the pandemic and stuff. But I don't understand why they're not stressing to y'all how bad it is. Like, I'm not even trying to be funny, but these kids are. I'm going to just say this. I teach seventh grade. They are still performing on the fourth grade level. I don't care how you flip it, turn it, swing it, swing it, swindle it. They still performing on the fourth grade level. Ain't nobody talking about how they just keep moving, passing them on. They just keep passing them on, 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 passing them on. I can put as many zeros in this grade book as I want to. They gonna move that child to the eighth grade next year. Ain't nobody talking about that. Why they not talking about that? Why they not telling y'all that y'all? And why don't y'all know? that y'all kids not performing on a great level. Why y'all don't know this? Why y'all don't know? I really like this guy. <laughs> like, I know he's, he's speaking in a way that's a bit unusual, you know, but he's observing a true problem. And he's saying, why Why aren't they letting you know this? These kids are completely failing and, and they're not going to be left behind because the liberal governing structure would rather deny reality and fail these kids and put us all in a worse situation than acknowledge that there is a problem and that and that they themselves have failed to teach students and try to fix that problem so that the kids are actually brought up to the level at which they should be reading. You're not helping anybody. You're not doing anybody any favors by denying reality. You're not doing anybody any favors by pretending that they are succeeding when they are failing. You, you are compounding the problem. You're going to make the problem worse for everybody. You're going to make the problem worse for all of society because, believe it or not, even in our highly ideological age, societies still require 
some degree of competence in order to function. We live in an age where we think that as long as you have the right opinion, this is on the left and even on the right, as long as you just have the right opinion, everything's going to be fine. But that's not true. The, the, the grain mills are not going to keep on churning just because you have the right opinion about some LGBT issue. The trains are not going to keep moving. The traffic lights are not going to go from green to red. The, the airplanes are not going to keep flying in the sky. The, the basic functions of society, the, the sanitation workers are not going to keep, keep things flowing just because you have the right opinion about some obscure ideological fashion. People need to know basic things. The society needs to know how to, how to read at least the people running society, need to know how to read. They know how to do math. They need to know how to do math. They need to know how to, I don't know, change a tire. <laughs> you know, really like basic stuff. If, if a society can't do that, it doesn't matter how many highfalutin opinions it has. It's not going to flourish. It's not going to function. Some of this is existential. We're seeing a lot of things break down right now. We're seeing the economy begin to break down. We're seeing supply chains break down. We're seeing food break down. We're, and this, is, this was exacerbated by COVID, but it's been a longstanding trend. We're not, we're not functioning at the level that we need to be functioning. And the, that problem does not begin when you elect Joe Biden. It's exacerbated when you elect Joe Biden, but that problem begins when you, when you just keep graduating these people from the seventh grade to the eighth grade, when they don't know how to do the fourth grade material. That's going to exacerbate crime problems. It's going to exacerbate poverty problems. It's going to exacerbate problems of government because people aren't going to know how the government operates. It's going to, they're not going to know how to vote. They're not going to know when they're being taken advantage of by demagogues. If the citizenry doesn't understand basic things, how is the government going to function when we are supposedly a self-government? Speaking of kids, turning now to Los Angeles, L.A. Unified School District is about to host a week-long celebration of Coming Out Day. You might think from the name that they would have a day-long celebration at most. No, it's a week now. Soon it will be a month. It already is a month because they have the month of June, which is Pride Month. And then they have October, which we're in right now. That's LGBT History Month. So they've already got one-sixth of the calendar year. Probably they're going to add another month. And then they'll have a quarter of the year. And eventually they'll have the whole year long. LAUSD has said uh, that they'll have this week-long coming-out celebration. According to City Journal, a teacher within the district shared a document called the Week of Action Toolkit, Elementary, which outlines how LAUSD would treat the month of October as another LGBTQ month. Not Week of Action Toolkit High School, not Week of Action Toolkit Middle School, Week of Action Toolkit Elementary School. These teachers should be arrested. Any elementary school teacher that foists this LGBT propaganda on little kids should be arrested for exposing minors to obscene content, for public indecency, for appeals to the prurient interest, for any, any obscenity law you can throw at them. They should be arrested for this. It's not going to happen in California because everybody from the lowest level city councilman all the way up to Governor Patrick Bateman over there are on board with this. They want to expose kids to disordered sexual content. 
But if by some fluke you can get any Republican into any position of power there, and certainly if this kind of thing happens elsewhere in the country, which it will, Republicans need to wield the law to arrest these people. This is sick, sick stuff. I don't think that national coming out week should be in middle school. I don't think it should be in high school for that matter. I don't think it should be anywhere. I don't think it's conducive to anybody's flourishing, certainly not to five-year-olds. But it's another reminder, and it's a reminder that conservatives don't want to bear in mind. Kids are going to learn something or another thing. There's no neutrality here. Kids are either going to learn that it's good to do all sorts of weird sex stuff, or they're going to learn that marriage is the union of a man and a woman uh, together who take a vow before God uh, ordered toward the procreation of children. They're going to learn one of those. Or they're going to learn that marriage is just a little contract that can be dissolved whenever. Or they're going to learn that marriage is between five people and a billy goat. Or, but they're going to learn something. Anytime you read a kid a little storybook, anytime you teach a kid about history, anytime you teach a kid literature, they're going to get some conception of marriage. And, and education necessarily takes a stance on what is good and what is bad. And right now, what the education system is doing in LA is saying it's good to do all sorts of weird sex stuff up to and including mutilating your body. The answer to that is not, let's get sex out of the classroom. They're going to read some story about a family. They're going to read uh, some story, some story about changes in the nature of the family throughout history. They're going to, they're going to get some morals and some ethics. What's it going to be? Right now for a full week, probably a full month, probably two months out of the year, it's going to be LGBT propaganda. As long as conservatives say, well, I just want to remain neutral, they're going to continue. They're going to take another three months. And you will not rest easy if you've got your kids in these schools, which is one way to improve your sleep would be to check out Helix Sleep. Right now, go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. With everything going on in the world right now, you could really use a good night's sleep. That is why you need to check out Helix Mattress. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, ooh la la, the newly released Helix Elite collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. I have had my Helix for years, probably what, three, four years now. I absolutely love it. Night after night, I sleep so sweet, so sound. I want the same for you. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preference to the perfect mattress. Why would you want to sleep in a mattress made for someone else? Get out of my mattress. I'm a married man. Go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Take their two-minute sleep quiz to find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. Their flexible payment plans make it so that a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix offers 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. HelixSleep.com slash Knowles. Use code HelixPartner2020. This is their best offer yet. It won't last long. Helix, better sleep starts now. If you are watching Convicting a Murderer, You've already seen many instances where making a murderer skillfully curates information to align with their narrative. Get ready to dive into their most egregious manipulation yet. That's right. We're talking about the infamous blood vial, the one that was supposedly used to plant Stephen Avery's blood in the victim's car. But here's the catch. Making a murderer conveniently omitted a crucial detail that completely unravels that insane theory. Huh? You're not going to want to miss this in-depth look at how so many viewers were tricked. Episode 7 is now available on Daily Wire Plus. Take a look. Coming up on Convicting a Murderer. They got Brendan down in the police station. Why? Something to do with you. The police did not have Brendan Dassey on their radar at all. Kayla brings up that they should talk to her cousin, Brendan. They initially went down to that high school because they were worried about him because his cousin made some comments about him losing weight. 
She mentioned things like staring off into space and weight loss. She estimated it to be about 40 pounds. They thought that maybe he had seen something and he was having trouble dealing with what he had witnessed. You should have said to them, I want my mom in there. Yeah. You definitely can see how someone like him was easily manipulated. I really feel sorry for Brendan, getting roped into some scheme that Stephen decided he was going to come up with. We did not expect what he was telling us. New episodes of Convicting a Murderer are released every Thursday exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. If you're not a member, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Speaking of harmful stuff being foisted on kids and adults, I got a message yesterday after I covered a report that antidepressants are having all sorts of weird sexual uh, consequences on people. This is the message I got. I found your video on antidepressants very interesting. You had mentioned that teenagers will never develop sexual function, and you're correct. I'm currently dealing with permanent side effects from an SSRI, and I would encourage you to check out this website as what you said in your video correlates to the problem. So I clicked on the link, and it it took me to a website about a condition called PSSD, a condition of, of these consequences that affect sex and emotions and really the whole personality not just while people are on these SSRI drugs, but after they get off them, sometimes permanently, long after they get off the SSRI drugs. And no one seems to be talking about this. One in eight American adults is hooked on SSRI drugs. And I I don't even need to qualify it necessarily with among adults, because increasingly these drugs are being prescribed to teenagers and kids, even 12-year-olds. A huge number of Americans are on these drugs. There was a study that came out some months ago that suggests that the drugs don't work in the way that we've been told that the drugs work. No one really knows how the drugs work, but we are seeing increasing evidence that these these powerful psychiatric drugs that a huge number of Americans are on can have permanent consequences and totally rewire people's personalities. Post-SSRI sexual dysfunction, or PSSD, is the current term used to describe this phenomenon. PSSD can manifest as a wide range of neurological, physical, and sexual symptoms. Among the most common symptoms reported by sufferers are genital numbness, erectile dysfunction, vaginal dryness, a complete loss of libido, anorgasmia, emotional blunting, anhedonia, and cognitive impairment. These and many more debilitating symptoms can persist for years, decades, or even become permanent after discontinuing the medication. Despite the acknowledgement by various healthcare organizations that sexual side effects can persist, many sufferers still have their symptoms minimized and dismissed as a valid healthcare concern. Currently, there is no effective treatment for PSSD, and tragically, some severely affected patients have taken their lives. So there are two keys to me here about this explanation. One, this is not just some kook fringe theory of of people who are ascribing consequences to this this drug that aren't really there. This is something that's acknowledged by the European Medicine Agency, by the NHS, by all sorts of public health bodies. They're saying, yes, yeah, these drugs can cause all these issues. And they cause all these sexual issues, which is bad enough. Sex is very important to human nature. And so if you totally blunt sex, especially in super young people, especially in teenagers. Can you imagine how awful that would be? But then beyond that, 
What about the emotional blunting? What about the anhedonia, the inability to feel pleasure? What about the cognitive impairment that comes from these powerful psych drugs because people don't want to engage in ordinary therapy? Someone says, oh, you know, I'm feeling a little bit sad today. Uh, Rather than engage in cognitive behavioral therapy, rather than talking to a counselor or to a priest, rather than addressing the, the spiritual concerns or just the practical everyday issues that might be causing someone to feel a little sad, what does our culture do? Our culture says, oh, good, take a magic pill. Yeah, take this drug, get hooked on drugs, and it might melt your brain, and it might screw up your entire sexuality, and it might deprive you of the ability to feel pleasure or to think for the rest of your life. But hey, at least then we don't need to confront the problem. Just take a pill. And no one's talking about this? That's insane. The the public health bodies are acknowledging that this is a problem. No one talks about it. The the rates of prescription just keep going up. We start prescribing it to 12-year-olds? Absolute madness. A simple question might be, we're living in an age of marked sexual dysfunction. There's always weird sex stuff throughout all of history, but we're living at a time where people no longer know the meaning of the word woman, where younger and younger kids are coming out with some pretty bizarre sexual claims. Might our present sexual dysfunction have something to do with the strange fact that one in eight people is now taking these powerful psychiatric drugs? which work in ways that we don't understand at all and which have consequences that very few people want to acknowledge? Might it be wise for our culture to stop being just completely addicted to drugs that, that, that screw up our heads, the consequences of which we, we are only now beginning to consider? Maybe. Seems like a good idea. Meanwhile, though, the, the evil actors in our society are capitalizing on this confusion, capitalizing on this market opportunity, and prescribing not just these kinds of drugs to people, but all sorts of powerful hormones and chemicals and drugs to confused young people. Planned Parenthood has now been caught helping teens to transition after not months of counseling, after not receiving multiple psychiatric evaluations, after a 30-minute consultation. 18-year-old kid, He was 17 years old yesterday, turns 18 today. He walks into a Planned Parenthood, chats with someone for around 30 minutes. He'll walk out of there with with a transgender prescription. He can go pick it up at the pharmacy down the street, and he can permanently screw up his body. This happened, in fact, according to a report from the Free Beacon. Someone named Fred, I'm assuming that's a pseudonym. I don't know if it refers to a man or a woman. It's all very confusing. He arrives at a local Planned Parenthood clinic in Montclair, New Jersey, on North Fullerton Avenue at 11 a.m. They're, they're, uh, they, they can find these data because of phone tracking that his parents used to monitor his whereabouts. 11 a.m. he gets there. By 11.39, he had received a text message from CVS that Fred's estrogen prescription was on the way. So I guess Fred actually is a boy, and he's taking estrogen to seem more like a woman. He shows up, walks in the door, at 11 a.m., gets a text from CBS, your prescription's ready to pick up at 11.39, which means there's no way the consultation was 30 minutes. It was probably 20 minutes, if that. He goes in, he checks in, he sits, he waits in the waiting room, he goes in, makes small talk with the doctor. Doctor says, okay, so you think you're a chick? He says, yeah, okay, well, here we go. Do, do, do. Here's your prescription. They file the prescription. The whole process is 39 minutes. Ordinarily, 
I can't even believe I'm using the word ordinary to describe this. Ordinarily, when a man wants to completely destroy his body chemistry and and pretend to be a woman, ordinarily, in normal circumstances, uh, the guy would go for months and months of psychiatric evaluation, and then eventually some quack would say that he's really a chick and prescribe him all of these drugs. That should not be permitted even under those circumstances. No person should be permitted to inject himself with a bunch of poisons and go under the hacksaw to, to... turn himself into a grotesque caricature of the opposite sex. That shouldn't happen. Not for little kids, not for adults, not for anybody. It's a false claim about anthropology and for the good of society and especially for the good of these poor, confused people, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely, the whole ideology at every level, of course. But if you're going to do it, at least this should be a very long, drawn-out process where you're making sure that you're not misdiagnosing, that there's not, okay, maybe he's got this psychiatric problem. Maybe we could treat his dysphoria in this way. Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. Maybe we could talk him off the ledge. At the very least, here though, 30 minutes, nurse practitioner talks to this person. He's out the door. He's got his script. He shoots himself up with with hormones. Why is this happening? Abortion fell 3% within the year after the Dobbs decision. So immediately after the Dobbs decision overruled Roe v. Wade, abortions nationwide dropped 3%. We would hope that it would have dropped more than that. It's taken a little while to implement the changes. In the states that have reimposed strict uh, limits on abortion, abortions dropped by a lot more than that, dropped by 96%. And then some companies started funding people, including the U.S. government, including the U.S. military, started funding people to go to the pro-infanticide states, so the abortions rose in those states. Overall, though, the demand for abortion is decreasing, obviously, as as it becomes illegal in certain places. So what's Planned Parenthood going to do? Planned Parenthood's a business. Planned Parenthood needs to sell baby murder. That's their product. That's where they make their money. Planned Parenthood lies and pretends that they make money by handing out condoms to young men in the inner cities. They don't make any money doing that. <laughs> very, very little. They, may, they, they pretend they make money by giving women mammograms. They don't even give mammograms. That's just a lie. They make their money by killing babies. And as fewer mothers want to murder their children, Planned Parenthood is going to make less money. So what are they going to do? They're going to make money elsewhere. They're going to have to shift their business model. And the way they're shifting their business model now is by transing teenagers. They're in the business of evil. Planned Parenthood sells evil. That's what they do. They don't, they're not going to all of a sudden shift their business model to baking pies for widows, okay? They're not all of a sudden going to shift their business model to running orphanages, okay? They sell evil. So they're going to make their money by murdering babies. They're going to make their money by transing confused teenagers. They're going to make, who knows what, they're probably going to make their money by holding big worship, worship sessions to Moloch if, if they ban the other two. But they're going to make money somehow. They're going to figure out a way to make money. This is exactly what happened with the so-called Human Rights Campaign, one of the most preposterously named organizations ever in American history. That's the one with the equal sign, the the very powerful LGBT group that lobbied to abolish marriage, to redefine marriage at the Supreme Court. And what happened? Once they got it, once Justice Anthony Kennedy wrapped poetic at at the Supreme Court and said that there's a right to intimacy in the Constitution that means that men and women are no longer distinct, and two men can, can constitute a marriage. What happened? Did the human rights campaign close up shop? Say, okay, we don't want our millions and millions of dollars anymore. We're done. Mission accomplished. We're out of here. No, of course not. There was no longer any demand to change the definition of marriage. They had already accomplished that. So they instantly, on, on a dime, 
they switched and they said, okay, our new mission is to trans everybody. So the, the organization immediately became a pro-trans organization. It had never been that. It was a, it was a redefined marriage organization, but they got to make money somehow. They're going to follow the dollar. They're going to follow their interest. Planned Parenthood doing the same thing. Speaking of shifts, we're now shifting the Speaker of the House of Representatives and someone who I thought was not going to enter the race did enter the race. That is Steve Scalise. I knew knew Steve Scalise was interested in the job. He's been on the track for House leadership for many years now, but Steve Scalise has had some health problems in recent years. Some crazy Bernie bro leftist uh, tried to murder him at the congressional baseball game and shot him and he had a long recovery, nearly killed him. And Steve Scalise also has been diagnosed with cancer. So I I thought he just was going to not have the uh, bandwidth to to be the Speaker of the House. But he's a tough guy, and he says he's going to do it anyway. So Steve Scalise is running for Speaker. Jim Jordan is also running for Speaker. You know, love love Jim Jordan. He was he was on the show somewhat recently. He and I played uh, Face Off together. You can catch that on YouTube. Uh, Jim, I, I've long thought would make an excellent Speaker of the House, and the only reason I hadn't encouraged him to run for it is because I like him too much, and I don't wish so terrible a job on him. Uh, but these are both good guys. These are both good good uh, options. I, I'm personally, uh, you know, favorably inclined toward Jim Jordan. Uh, I just I just know him better, and uh, you know I think he'd be very good. But Steve Scalise could be a good speaker too. Uh, unfortunately, Donald Trump, the man who many of us were pulling to be speaker, he's not interested. Who should be speaker? Who should be speaker? Who should be speaker, Mr. President? Uh, a lot of people have been calling me about speaker. All I can say is we'll do whatever's best for the country and for the Republican we, Party. Would you take a job? Great people. Would Marjorie Taylor We have some great, great people. Would you take a job? A lot of people have asked me about it. I'm focused. You know, we're leading. I don't know you. I'm sure you don't read too much in the papers. But we're leading by like 50 points for president. You know, my focus is totally on that. If I can help them during the process, I would do it. But we have some great people in the Republican Party that could do a great job as speaker. Well, what about Marjorie you? Marjorie Taylor Greene called for you to be speaker yesterday. Did you accept? No, I think she's a wonderful woman, Marjorie. A lot of other people are calling for that, too. I'll do whatever it is to help, but my focus, my total focus is being president and, quite honestly, making America great again because we are living in a country in decline. This is a country that's failing badly. We're not respected in the world. Interest rates are through the roof, taxes are through the roof, inflation is horrible, what it's done to us is eating us alive. Okay, so Trump's not going to be speaker. No one really thought that he was going to be speaker. My takeaway from that answer, though, is not just that he doesn't want the job. Of course he doesn't. It's the worst job in Washington. My takeaway is not just that he wants to be president. He does want to be president. My takeaway is, counter to what a lot of consultant class Republicans will say and what the liberals will say, Donald Trump has excellent message discipline. Get to that in one second. First, though, it's officially October. There's no hiding it. Pumpkin spice season is upon us. And I'm, I'm living that life, man. I'm embracing it. I am imbibing. I am fully in the PSL lifestyle. And you can be too. Here it is. You go to dailywire.com shop. You get your hands on the limited edition Michael Knowles pumpkin spice candle. This is everything that you need to complete the trifecta and eat, drink, and breathe pumpkin spice like the white girl living inside of you. I don't care if you're the biggest, 
fattest Hispanic man. You're a you got you got a white girl living inside of you just waiting to get out, okay? Don't wait. Order your candles now. They are only available during pumpkin spice season, only available at dailywire.com/shop. Mm. Mm, it's good. My favorite comment yesterday is from Dark Avenger 4214 who says Alex Jones for speaker. I guess I hadn't even considered it. That might be the greatest option because then you could have the speaker, the leader of Congress and the insurrectionists from January 6th, they could become the same people. You could have Alex Jones introducing the horn hat guy to give a speech on the floor of the house. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the president, Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the State of the Union, I would introduce, like to introduce to you the shaman. And then the shaman could go out and he'd make a hell of a lot more sense than Joe Biden does. Damning with faint praise, but still, no question about it. That would be, that would be great. Donald Trump, surprisingly, contrary to what so many people will have you believe, has excellent message discipline. When he was asked, will you be the speaker of that? So thank you. I'm happy to help, but no. I'm not. I'm running for president. I'm up 50 points. So he always hits, I'm, I'm up, I'm leading, I'm the number one guy, I've got the nomination. But it's not just that. He then goes further and he says, he just launches into a stump speech. He says, the economy's terrible and everything under Joe Biden's awful and families are hurting and the border's open and whatever the parts of his stump speech are. He launches right into it. He never misses an opportunity to hammer home the four or five points on which his campaign is built, which... which contradicts something we've been told about Trump, which is that he's a demagogue. Donald Trump is not a demagogue. Donald Trump, for all of his sins, for all of his flaws, for all of his eccentricities, is kind of the opposite of a demagogue. A demagogue is one who totally changes his message based on what group he's speaking to. A a demagogue is like uh, Peron, Juan Perón down in Argentina, or for a more modern American example, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton could go into any room and he could charm the pants off everybody and he could have everybody believing that he agrees with them. Barack Obama does the same thing. Barack Obama once bragged. He said that in politics, he could go into a room and make everyone in that room, even if they have different views, think that he was on their side. That's not Trump. Trump can offend people even who are on his side, but he's going to stick to his message. Every one of his speeches is the same thing. We got to stop the immigration. We got to build the wall. We got to have trade tariffs. We've got to make America great again. This is a country in decline. He just hits the same points no matter who he's talking to. He could be talking to a a crowd at the MAGA auditorium, or he could be talking to his grandmother. He's going to stay the same thing. And he's focused, and he's clearly running as though he's already clinched the nomination. He's running for the general now. Could he, could he, we see an upset in Iowa? Maybe. I wouldn't count on it. If Trump is still leading in Iowa among committed delegates, I think it's something like two to one over his next rival, DeSantis. But maybe, maybe the DeSantis campaign puts everything into Iowa and they pull an upset in Iowa. They would have to do the same in New Hampshire, which doesn't look possible because I think DeSantis is four or five in New Hampshire now. So maybe, I don't know, let's say Nikki Haley pulls an upset in New Hampshire. Okay. And then you get down to South Carolina. Who knows? Maybe Tim Scott, maybe Nikki Haley pull an upset in South Carolina. And then what's going to happen in Florida? Probably Trump is going to win Florida. I don't know. Maybe maybe DeSantis wins Florida. I don't know. Then you go to Nevada. Almost certainly Trump is going to win Nevada. I just, for, for all of these campaigns, I just don't see 
how this ends up any different than it did in 2016. There were all, there were all these moments when Cruz could have won it or Rubio could have won it or Kasich, uh, probably not Kasich, but somebody could have won it and it just it just never materialized. And I don't see that any difference now other than that Trump is up by even more than he was back then. Uh, speaking of politicians, the new California senator, uh, LaFonza Butler, she was the one immediately named by Governor Patrick Bateman uh, to fill the seat vacated when Dianne Feinstein died. She is the president of Emily's List. Emily's List is a group that works to elect pro-abortion women to public office. So she's a real, she's a treat. You know, this one, her, her raison d'etre, the, the uh, thing that gets her out of bed in the morning is just getting women elected who are going to be more inclined to murder babies. Uh, this woman now is a U.S. senator, but there's a problem, which is that she is the senator from California, but she doesn't live in California. She lives in Maryland. And if you go to the website of Emily's List, her, her Maryland residence was listed there until they scrubbed it in mid-September. Rob Pyers, who's a research director of the California Target book, looks at all these finance filings. Uh, this woman was listed as being a Maryland resident as recently as August 31st. So is that going to take her out? Is LaFonza Butler no longer going to be the senator, the senatrix from California? Uh, no, no one's going to care. Nobody's going to care at all. It used to be a really good attack in politics to say that so-and-so is a carpetbagger. You know, he just moved from D.C. to this district so he could win Congress. That would sometimes work. It doesn't really work anymore because national identity and ideological identity, perhaps even more so, has overtaken state identity. And the first part of that was actually predicted and encouraged by the founding fathers and the framers in The Federalist. Uh, the, the Publius, you know, who's an amalgam of Alexander Hamilton and James Madison and John Jay, they wrote in The Federalist about how initially in the early days of the country, state allegiances and state identity are going to be tippity-top, but then over time, people are going to lose a little bit of their flavor of their state identity and take on more of a national American identity. Well, that's happened. No one really cares now. I, you know, even for me, if, if there were a really good conservative, but he happened not to be from my state, but he could be the senator from my state, I'd strongly consider voting for that person. What's a little dangerous, though, not exactly encouraged by the founding fathers and the framers, is that ideological identity has taken over probably even American identities and national identity, such that probably the Californians would be perfectly fine having a senator from any country, as long as that senator was fanatically uh, dedicated to killing babies and to all the other nonsense on their agenda, as LaFonza Butler and as they are. And that does not strengthen American national identity. That threatens its very essence. Today is Theology Thursday. We have a very special guest. My friend Tim Gordon is going to be on the show to talk about this story that many of you have written in about. The Catholic Church is heading into the synod and synodality. No one really knows what this thing is, but we're seeing all these news reports that is the church going to teach change teaching on marriage? Is the church going to change teaching on whether women can be priests? They can't be priests. They can be priestesses, I guess. And what what is going on? Well, I've brought on someone who knows a lot more about it than I do. Tim Gordon, the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. 